Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, Sick Bay Edition, episode no. number 47. <laughs> I just got back from working in Orlando, and it seems that I brought something back with me that's not COVID. We checked. We just tested, so we're both negative, but we both feel a little gross. Which feels ironic, because it's Road Wild 1999, live <laughs> from Sturgis. And if you wanted to know of anything that would make you feel better on a sick day, it's not Sturgis. Well, I was referring to when they did it during COVID times, and it's like, yeah, over 100,000 people were linked to catching COVID at Sturgis. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, we weren't there in person, so I guess that's a win in our book, I guess? Yeah. For a lot of reasons. I would never want to be there. No offense to the people of Sturgis, South Dakota. It's just, I hate motorcycles, and I hate the sound of motorcycles. It must be weird to live there during the other 361 days. True. Well, it's probably, like, ingrained in the culture. I mean... Not this one rally, but motorcycle life, you know. So, Emily, before we get into this, what is it we do here? Well, Nick, I don't know how you don't know on episode 47, but we take a week-by-week look at the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW in the late 1990s. Sorry, watching WCW is giving me brain damage. I can't remember what we do each week. Who are you? (laughs) So, again, this is Road Wild 1999, live from, it's literally just like... Sturgis, South Dakota. a, A field, just like a random parking lot. It looks like it's a like a a festival lot because like it has you know food stand set up so it looks like it could be like a state fair. Yeah, the background like of the, the background of the hard cam is just like cheeseburgers and steak sandwiches, hot dogs. Were you curious what a butterfly fry is? No, I'm actually I think I missed that. One of the banners said butterfly fries, and I didn't look it up, but I am so curious what a butterfly fry is. So Emily, before we get into this show, let's do uh, what we try to remember to do each time there's a pay-per-view. Play a little game with The Price is Right. So, Road Wild 1999. How many buys do you think it did? For context, last year did 365,000 buys, but last pay-per-view did 175,000 buys. Oh, give me yikes. I'm going to say it's better than the last pay-per-view, but not nearly as good as last year. So I'm going to say it got 217,000 buys. Very close. Really? 235,000. Okay. So I happened to see, while I was looking this up, uh, the next one's bad. How many more pay-per-views do we have until the Vince Russo era? I think technically just one more. Oh, shit. And it, it's a weird technicality of, I think he starts, like, the Monday before Halloween Havoc. Okay. It's weird. Like, I'm not excited for Vince Russo because you have not really, like, built him up to be a good thing for wrestling. But I am so bored. I, I want, want something to happen. I want something. I'm going to poke my stick at WCW and tell it to do something. So this pay-per-view is the most pay-per-view I've since Spring Stampede. Remind me, what was the, like, the big draw at Spring Stampede? Uh, that was the fatal four-way match where Randy Savage was the special guest referee. Okay, okay, okay. I don't remember that being that bad. I don't remember anymore. Well. <laughs> I remember being better than uh, Uncensored. I, and It was more entertaining. I remember it being more than this this main event, which we'll get to, but my God, do something. Well, let's let's uh, begin with the beginning and then go until we come to the end. And start at the very and beginning. Then stop. A very good place to start. Well, ironically, we actually opened with the main event hype package. Yeah. You excited? No! Is there two people that I don't enjoy watching wrestle? I don't get the hype of Hogan, and I don't like the cockiness of Nash. So, no, I'm not excited. 
We then get a very shaky helicopter shot, which they did the exact same shot the year before. We did peek at Road Wild 98 just to see. Just to prepare ourselves. Okay, how screwed are we on crowd noise? <laughs> you know what that um, shot reminded me of? Do you remember the storyline of the, like, the hay field? And they were going to search oh. for somebody. I can't remember who at this point. And it was the overhead shot with, like, the beam of light down on, I think, like, Ric Flair was down yeah, there. Yeah, Ric Flair was out in the field for some reason with a bunch of masked NWO people yes. who, like, Hogan had his mustache showing. And it was like, <laughs> why are yeah. you even masked? That shot reminded me of that, which... Can we, like, talk about that storyline? Because I miss storylines like that right now. Do you? I do. I wanted to die during that one. I want to die more now. Honestly, no. I don't want to die at this era of WCW. I want to take a nap. Like, wake me up when something happens. I did take a nap after, uh, <laughs> I think, like, the fourth or fifth match on the night. Yeah, we took what Nick called a quick break, and I went to check on him half an hour later, and he was asleep in bed. I'm like, what? Okay, uh, so no, this I is had, a longer break than I thought. I had woken up right around the time, and I said, my alarm's going off in two minutes. We then go to the arena with lots of revving. Oh, we're uh, not going to talk about the lovely foliage shot that we got before we went into the arena? I thought that was a helicopter shot. No, it was a separate shot, but it definitely was aerial, so it might have been like from a helicopter, but it was lovely. Just some trees. On commentary tonight, we have Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and then Mike Tanay's back. It's like, all right, back to the three-man booth. Yeah, which like I kind of liked tonight because two people kept it on track, and then there was Bobby. <laughs> Fucking loved Bobby. <laughs> Bobby's only blemish on this show is that he reused his uh, hotel shower curtain line with Dennis Rodman. Other than that, he had some fantastic quips. <laughs> Bobby again just doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what's happening or what's going on. He just he's just vibing. Fucking state of Tony Schiavone and Mike Tanay's outfits, though. Oh, Tony Schiavone. That's a hell of a look. Doing a Triple H cosplay with the backwards leather paddy cap and the denim jacket. It's a look. These aren't other commentators. They're buddies of mine. Oh, my God. You know, it's actually fitting that he's in Triple H gear because we actually have, like, promo packages for almost every match tonight. So it's just, it's just tons of footage that he can just throw to. <laughs> the only difference is he's not, like, turning around and pointing at the prompter. You know, roll that bean footage. <laughs> which I still don't get. No, I've never no. gotten that line. Likes beans. Commentary hypes that they're giving away a fat hog, and I did not get my wish on this show, but I did see it for the 98 show, which was Mean Gene. Just... I was just curious. I didn't realize they were giving away the bike to a, like, a viewer. I thought they were giving it away to somebody in the crowd, which confused me because I'm like, nobody in this crowd needs a bike. Everyone's on a bike. Well, I was... What are they going to do with it? How are they going to get it home? Well, I was thinking, wow, that's just dead air. Like, cool. You're going to give something away to somebody who's there, so that therefore literally no one at home matters. But now it's even, it was even weirder, but the, we'll, we'll this, get there when we get there. Yeah, the segment was garbage. It was a dead air. So before we go to the first match, let's just generally chat about the crowd and thoughts on it, because we were dreading this coming in. We were because of the Hell's Angel segment. Yeah, I guess yeah, that, it's mostly that's that. that's what killed us, because I think that's when you realized that Road Wild was a thing, was when we were talking about that segment. And we were both dying at the revving of the motorcycles. And you're like, what if it's an arena full of that? To which I was like, I want to die. But this, to me, was not nearly as bad as I expected it to be. But it wasn't as good as I expected it to be. It's at least open air. So it just kind of vanishes yeah. into the sky as opposed to just being trapped in the arena. Right. Which was the problem with the Hells Angels. And there were mics everywhere. And I'm assuming that this audience wasn't really mic'd. They were dead for large parts of the show, which may have helped our enjoyment. 
Yeah, they didn't care. Or it's a weird double-edged sword there of the crowd's dead, so it's hard to care, but they're not revving, so. So you said that this was a um, a free event, right? Yes, they made zero dollars on the gate. <laughs> so the people that were coming to this couldn't care less about WCW. I mean, I actually did see one of the bikers had a, like a little like paper wristband that said Road Wild. Oh, okay. So I guess they would have had to have, you know, chosen to kind of come in, but... Maybe it was, like, free with admission to the rally. I don't know. Oh. That said, there are about eight women there, and we know this because every time they show the crowd, they start with a, a close-up on some woman's chest and then zoom out to show the rest of the crowd. Yeah. I mean, it was clearly very hot because everyone was either shirtless or the women were in, like, bikinis or, like, tank tops. I mean, at the end of the day, it is, you know, August 14th. True. It's, it, it's the summer. I just assume that South Dakota is, like, perpetual winter. I don't know why. Palantir actually talks in, like, I think it's the Sting match or maybe the Goldberg match. Or just like, oh, yeah, people were, like, performing out in the sun earlier. So, it, like, takes more out of them. Oh, okay. But the crowd was not as bad as we feared. Thank God for that. Can't say the same about the show, but we'll go through <laughs> that one by one. We open with our first of three different tag team matches tonight. It is the Deadpool, a.k.a. Vampiro and the ICP with Raven. Versus Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, and Kidman. Surprise to no one. I love that team. Yes. I, yeah. Wow. Shocker. I know. Even this version of Rey? Yeah. And uh, well, Rey... I just like them working together. They have good in-ring chemistry, all three of them. Well, Rey was missing something. What was he missing? Oh, you care about this way more than I think anybody else does. Yeah. Rey, the Cruiserweight champion, did not bring his belt out. Yeah. No. <laughs> They don't care about the cruiserweight title anymore. He, when was the last time we babbled over the cruiserweight title? Well, They're we, we talked about this. It. Who cares? The, that title's gone. We're dead. It's dead. It's over. R.I.P. It's the same with the TV title. Like that's also dead, dying, gone. The end. Well, that one at least I know actually dies. The cruiserweight title, I'm pretty sure, definitely sticks around because he makes the invasion. And I'm gonna wait until we get there, but just know it's gonna break your heart who Ray loses the cruiserweight title to. For some reason, they're going to get Kevin Nash to be like, oh, I'm a cruiserweight, and it's going to be him, isn't it? No. <laughs> Although you did just describe the uh, Samoa Joe X Division booking in TNA. Well. Except it's Samoa Joe, so people were a little more willing to accept it. Samoa Joe. So this match does get a hype video, as mentioned. The only one that doesn't get any sort of hype video is Buff Bagwell versus the Ernest the Cat Miller, and we're wondering if they cut it from uh, from Peacock. Because some of the build to that match um, definitely got cut off the network, and we talked about it, so let's move on. The faces come out to Eddie's, Eddie's theme slash the LWO theme, which do, seemed a little do, weird. Do, I, mean, I love the do, theme. Do, do. But it's, a, it's a bop. I'm just like, really? Okay. It's a mood. It's a vibe. It's a bop. And yeah, Ray's attire just makes me sad. The the long camouflage jorts. The, I know. The, the tiny sunglasses. Trust me, it breaks my heart, too, because that is... Not Rey Mysterio in his prime. He'll get there. He'll get back to it in WWF. I know. It really just breaks my heart how marketable he is like this. You know? It's just just so much better. It was really a great decision made by the marketing team. Oh, made by Eric Bischoff. Point point the blame where it lies. You're telling me that Eric Bischoff didn't put head of marketing in his title somehow? You know, I don't know. (laughs) Something I got over or they fixed at some point, it's only really bad in the tag team matches the camera is lower than it is during mm-hmm. every other show. So, like, the entire left side of the ring is blocked during tag team matches because the partners are standing there. 
it was just kind of strange. I didn't notice it on the hard camera. I thought the hard cam was fine, but no, I think at least I think after once it's not tag team matches, you don't notice as much. Fair. Match starts. Faces hit a lot of their signature moves early on. The referee was killing me in this match. <laughs> so he watches the ICP hit punches from the apron, and then turns around to like, "Hey, Ray, you can't be in the ring." It's like you are literally just saw them cheating and went, "That's fine," and then just. Turned around to like you didn't even know Ray was coming in. There are no rules, and the RCB in general, like they're pretty somewhere between not bad and pretty good in this match. They just need to learn more ref psychology. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they can hold their own. They are good enough wrestlers, and I said this last week. Like they they don't look stupid in the ring. I give I'll give them that. But yeah, you're right. Like the the ref psychology, it's also really hard to have ref psychology when you have. What did we have, like, six refs in WCW, and they all are kind of stupid? It's not even that. Just, like, like knowing when to cheat, when to come in. I mean, I guess it's all really the cheating stuff. Like, when to cheat from the apron, when to stop cheating, I think is really the big thing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, I think Violent J was the worst offender of this. He would just kind of, like, come in. I think at one point he came in, didn't do anything, and just went back out because he's like, oh, I don't even know what I'm doing. But, oh, well. Yeah, they, they just... I, I really wish Raven was more interested in helping them because... I feel like he could kind of teach them a bit of just like, a, no, 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 like now you cheat, now you have to stop. Because they were just. not interested in anything. Yeah, but they were just constantly having the ref have to do mental gymnastics. And I'm just like, dude, just scold them. They won't learn if you're allowing them to keep doing it like this. It's like a puppy. You got to train a puppy. We had a big Uranagi from Vampiro to Eddie. In a moment that you thought Shaggy Two Dub tripped. But you actually actually see, and I think this is one of those moments where the weird camera angle kind of betrays it. Eddie bumps into the one of the ropes, which crotches Shaggy Toot up on the top rope. Yeah, it's like the, the perpendicular rope to the one that Shaggy was on. So Eddie kind of like shook or, that rope and it just shook them all. Well, he was going up in the corner, so it's kind of, it was one of the connected ropes to that, but. Whatever. Yeah, it's just one of those where the camera angle being f- as flat as it was. You had Vampiro standing on the apron, kind of blocking half of what Eddie was doing. I don't know. It didn't bother me. Like, when we rewatched it, it was entirely fine. I could see it pretty clearly. Eddie hits a superplex and then gets the hot tag to Ray, and Ray cleans house a little bit, including a lion salt. It was like, you guys are just taking all of Jericho's moves now that he's gone. The man's not even cold yet. No, that man's red hot and over in WWE. Raven gets physical with Ray for, like, the first time since he's been back. And Vampiro hits a Vampiro spike on Ray on the floor. Which they're like, oh yeah, he also calls that a nail in the coffin. And it's like, okay, pick one, guys. Yeah, you gotta you gotta name it or don't. I mean, I'm still half the time calling it a Hoovy Driver. Yeah. I haven't seen Hooventude in a few weeks. He appeared for something. He just hasn't been in a meaningful story. Has anybody? That's a good point. We'll talk about that after after this match. The heels work over Ray for a little while. He hits a split legged moonsault, which you did not like. No, it looks stupid. It looks awful. It looks like a botch. It's meant to be he gets, like, spring off the top rope and, like, uses it as momentum to kind of turn he the moonsault. He gets spring off of his thighs? Yeah, just the way it's meant to, like, like, like almost, like, slam him down faster. I didn't get that. And I, it looked like he fell. And he just tried to, like, save it. Ray gets the hot tag to Kidman. And then the match turns into a bit of a mess for a minute. And Kidman hits a slightly scary shooting star <laughs> press and gets the win. So we need to talk about the horn. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> you know, I never actually wrote down the horn, but... You didn't? I, there is was... somebody in the audience 
with not a car horn, not a motorcycle horn, not a vuvuzela, not a vuvuzela, but it's it sounds like a uh, like a trumpet or a trombone or something that doesn't like change notes. Just I don't know what you would call it. It's a horn. And they're just kind of blowing it whenever they feel like it. And sometimes it's, you know, comedic genius. The timing. Oh, yeah. The man occasionally has beautiful comedic timing. But it was pretty loud when we were introducing, you know, the whole event. And I was like, oh, God, somebody has a horn. It's going to be like the the whistle. Remember the whistle guy? Yes, I do. Because I was actually, I was thinking about him. Uh, you're thinking of Fonzie from, Fonzie. from ECW. Because I was thinking about, like, what match did we have to watch on mute? And I went, oh, yeah, that one. That one. <laughs> I heard the horn. I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be like that again. Because it's an audience member. They can't, like, they can't stop him. So we're just going to have to, like, suffer through this. And luckily, he was he was good enough that it was just kind of funny. And it wasn't, like, con- like, it wasn't constant the way that the whistle was. Yeah, I think I kind of stopped noticing it towards the last, like, three matches. Or the guy left. Maybe he left. I wouldn't be surprised. But, be yeah, there were a couple times where, like, on the bump, it was like a, huh? <laughs> Or like when somebody was diving off the top rope to hit the splash and somebody go. Thoughts on the match as a whole? I look for light in all of these matches as much as I can. And I really love the tag team of Eddie Ray and Kidman. So for that, I enjoyed the match. I didn't hate it. And the the ending was kind of messy. But as far as like the three tag team matches that we have for this, this was the most entertaining and the easiest to follow. Yeah, the ending, I wish it had just been, like, 10% cleaner, and it yeah. would have been a little bit better, because I think some of that's also the camera work of, like, like Ray hits a dive to the outside during that, and I'm just like, wait, what happened? The outside is so hard, though, because it's got that raised platform. Yeah, so the ringside area is on a raised stage. With, like, what can only be described as a moat around the raised stage between yeah. the platform and the um, audience. Which I feel like they really should have just had the guardrail up against... yeah. Although, I guess the guardrail would have been tall enough, so you would have people, like, just tripping over into the bikes. So, I guess you do need... I don't know. I don't know, it was just a, It was a weird setup that made it really hard to do any kind of outside action. Yeah. This was pretty good. Like I said, the ref was killing it for a little bit for me. I like, didn't even notice the ref. Yeah, it was a lot of when the heels were working over the faces, just the ref having to play so dumb. I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Like... There was a moment where Vampiro was actively cheating on the on the outside. Ray goes to stop him. The ref goes outside and is like, Ray, you have to turn around. And then Vampiro pushes the ref, like puts his hands on the ref. I was like, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of egregious. But this podcast is also just becoming me telling Nick to calm down, let it go. They're going to break the rules and it's going to continue to happen. You got to let it go. <laughs> Yeah, but then it's also you going, I, I, I can't follow if it's DQ or not. It's like Yeah, because you... I can also give up. Yeah, I can give up. I can be like, oh, it was a DQ because he didn't like how shiny this wrench was or something. Fucking whatever. Because there's one, there's an instance of that later that I, I get angry about. Oh, yes. Both of us did. But see, you do care sometimes. That's the issue. I just want it to be consistent. Yes. That's the same thing I, I don't, want. No, I don't. You are mad that this guy is bad at his job. I am mad that they're not following, like, set guides. This guy's... This is just a bad ref. He's just a bad employee. Mine is just, like, constantly changing the rules up, and I just... I can't follow that. Well, speaking of bad refing, uh, Charles Robinson's ref for our next match, and I think his storyline's just kind of done. Oh, yeah. 
I think he's just now a normal ref. He he is just Charles Robinson. He's not Lil Nage anymore. Well, I think they'll probably still refer to them as that a little bit. Well, I'm saying just going forward, they may oh. mention it as like, like they mentioned that in WWE when it doesn't matter yeah. at all. It's just a nickname for him. I know, but we're not so far away from the the uh, actual storyline where he was Little Nage. So the fact that they're just calling him Charles Robinson now kind of feels more as if like we're just gonna pretend that didn't happen. I think they do give it a line of like. Well, yeah, Flair's not in charge now, so if the guy wants to keep his job, he has to be a normal ref. Fair. Because even, I think they argue about him, and Bobby Heenan's like, yeah, I thought he did fine. And they're like, okay, well, yeah, when he wasn't refing Ric Flair matches or David Flair matches, like, <laughs> yeah, he's a good ref. So it's like, okay, they okay, they managed to, like, really sweep that to the side in a way where I didn't feel dissatisfied because it wasn't a, a key story. I guess, yeah. It was a key story at the time, though. Yeah. It was the plot, only story at the plot time. Plot twist. Charles Robinson was driving the White Hummer. Don't. Don't. Now, was it a White Hummer or a Platinum Blonde Hummer? Shut the fuck up. I'm so mad because they also brought the White Hummer later and I'm mad about it. I need to soothe myself with my ginger ale. I might have an update on that, by the way. Fucking really? <laughs> Potentially. I can't. So our next match is the Jersey Triad. And by triad, I mean there's literally two people coming out. It's Bam Bam Bigelow and Canyon versus Harlem Heat. For the WCW Tag Team Titles, which prompts a video package. When the, I guess call them the triad. There's only two. It just feels weird. Oh yeah, I call them the triad. Well, I call them the Jersey Boys, but you know. When they're coming out, Bam Bam Bigelow's title belt just falls <laughs> off them. And I'm like, how? So I was thinking about this. As it happened, they kind of like both turned to each other and kind of like smiled and were putting up the, like the one finger. I think that what they were saying is, the one time I try to put it around my waist, it falls off. I think that was the dialogue that was going on. Because he usually comes out with it over his shoulder. So they're walking down going, the one time. Canyon tries to cut his uh, Who Better Than Canyon promo. And he, no. he can't even do it. The, the crowd just revs over him. And like props to him. Because he was trying to be like, oh, so some of y'all don't know how this works. I ask you a question and I figure out if you're stupid, if you answer it right. It was, like, heelish, but also, like, interactive. Like, let's play the game. Yeah, I was... And no one was having it. Well, I was trying to tell at the start of it, I'm like, okay, is he shoot flustered or kayfabe flustered? Because it seemed like a Same. bit of both. And then he, like, he kind of came back into it and I managed thought, to... Uh, I thought that with the cat later on, too. I really could not Oh, no. The, the, the cat, absolutely. I feel it was, it was doing a kayfabe. Oh, really? Canyon, I feel like it started with, like, a little bit of shoot fluster, and then he just... Ran with it. Yeah, he, like, leaned into it. Yeah, it just looked like he was getting a little shaken up. So Harlem Heat come out, all four men start in the ring, and the faces clear the ring, including some immediate miscommunication, which I'm like, oh, yeah. no, this is not bode well. Commentary started talking about the relationship between Harlem Heat while they were on the offense. Um, and <laughs> Bobby says one of his classic lines, we missed one in the last um, match, but I'll get to later. Um, and he says something about, like, you know, the brothers are trying to get back together, but, you know, emotional wounds don't heal. Ask my second wife. To which Tony goes, ask your first wife. And Bobby says, she's not with us anymore. <laughs> By the way, I did hear, ask my seventh wife. Well, when Tony said, ask your first wife, I kind of assumed that he said second, not seventh. Because my God, seven marriages? No. Stop. But in the first match, Bobby said, for some reason, couldn't tell you why, because we're in South Dakota. Bobby says, I wish there was a hurricane here. Yeah. To which Tony says, 
Well, that would make for some very treacherous wrestling. <laughs> We're in South Dakota. There's not going to be a hurricane in South Dakota. What would it be? A, 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 a Durancho? Derecho? Derecho. Derecho? Derecho. Jericho? Derecho? <laughs> you got I, caught in one of those. Yeah, in Milwaukee. Anyway, well, <laughs> back to the match. Well, I say, related to commentary, they actually do have a bit of good shot here talking about like the tag team ring rust on Harlem Heat, where like there's a spot where Booker goes for a scissor kick and like showboats a little bit, and when he goes to hit the ropes, Bam Bam pulls him down, so Booker tumbles at the floor, and it's like, yeah, in a singles match, like that's not going to happen to you. Right. So they just told an interesting, interesting story on commentary about needing to be able to think the same as your partner. It's like, yeah, yeah. they are a great tag team, but they haven't tied together in like 18 months. So. Is this their first tag match together? No, no, no. We've, okay. we've seen it, but... Actually, they think they've beat this duo before. <laughs> a lot of these matches felt like I've seen this before. But no, you got a point because like they don't they don't know each other anymore. It's been long enough that they've been single or with other groups. Yeah. Stevie Ray does big power moves because that's really all he's got. Uh, he tries to hit a scoop slam on Bam and Bigelow, and he barely gets him up. This is one of those moments where because the crowd isn't revving and it's an open air thing, and it, I don't know how many people are there, the crowd just kind of comes off flat. I mean, I don't really blame them this in this yeah. one, but... You don't have an audience count for this this show? No. Hmm. I guess it would be kind of hard to know because there weren't tickets sold. Yeah, and I imagine people kind of come and go as they please. Yeah. Yeah, the crowd just doesn't seem to care about this. And, and they were a little distracting in the way that they didn't care. Like, they were just kind of doing their own thing, and I, just, I wonder how that affected the in-ring communication, too. It doesn't... This is a weird comparison. It somewhat reminded me of... It was one of the first couple Saudi Arabia shows WWE did mm-hmm. where they had the like high class section. Oh, and they were all on their cell phones? Just like just getting up and, and just okay. like leaving and just coming and going and you know. I've, I've seen that in like the more recent Saudi Arabia matches where there's just like everyone's on their phone. Not like taking video or pictures, just like scrolling. Yeah, it was just that group of people just who just did not care who were there for like status reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, kind of same idea. When nobody in the audience cares about what's going on, like, you kind of stop caring. Butts the Seeds podcast, the only place we will compare a biker rally to Saudi Arabia. Oh, my God. Back to the match. The heels slowly work over Stevie Ray, and Booker gets the hot tag, and then he goes... That's this Was is where it he, a hot tag? Not really. It's this, a lukewarm tag. This is where he goes for the scissor kick and then gets dropped to the floor. We get a top rope falling famouser from Canyon... Who decides that was a good idea? So he goes for it again, and then and then Booker counters it into a power bomb. We get a weird hot tag to Stevie Ray, and I'm like, "Ooh, this is really not hot." DDP runs in because he hasn't been here the whole time. Bam Bam Bigelow gets thrown into him. Booker then hits a missile drop kick to Bam Bam Bigelow, and Stevie Ray gets the pin. And now so, Harlem Heat have the tag titles. Yeah, new tag team champions, Harlem Ooh. Heat. Thoughts on the match? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote meh. It was fine. It was boring. I'm sorry. Most of my commentary or most of my reviews on these matches are going to be, yes, it was a match. Yeah. Bam Bam did not have his working boots on. No. And Stevie Ray, unfortunately, has a much more talented brother that makes him look bad every time they team together. It kind of felt like they were all kind of phoning it in. To a certain degree. Yeah. Maybe they were hot. Maybe it was, you know, harder to work, but it just, it felt like meh. 
I mean, I also have no idea how easy or hard it is to kind of read the crowd there. I mean, yeah. they kind of do the whole rev yes. symbol and it's like, okay. Yeah. So when Stevie Ray does the like rev up guys, they rev up for him, but Kenny doesn't. He just gets booed. Oh yeah. And commentary was like, ah, oh, Stevie Ray is a fan of, uh, fan of automobile racing of all sorts, whether it be, uh, cars or motorcycles. And I'm like, is that yeah. a thing? <laughs> okay. Does he like gamble on a NASCAR? I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on to our third tag team match in a row. Must we? It is the West Texas Rednecks versus the Revolution. We got a hype package, which literally consisted of one segment. I literally like looked down to type out who was coming in. I look up and the recap's over. Yeah. It was so quick. I was like, "Was that even a was that a re, was that a review?" Well, Same thing happened with Sid later on. Well, that's what happens when most of these matches have no real story or build going yeah. into them, or the ones that claim to have a story. It's just like, ah, you had matches. It's the most shallow of stories. The West Texas Rednecks come out and they have their old theme back. They're doing "I Hate Rap." Yeah, it, it just makes me happy. It, it even well, it throws off commentary because they're like, ah, you could hear the new song. And they're like. Wait, nope, that is, uh, I hate rap. Yeah, they literally said, like, and this is a new song, Good Old Boys or something. And they're like, no, wait. So the Revolution come out, uh, no Chris Benoit, so it is Shane Douglas, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko, and they come out in vastly different attires, so we're gonna do a little quick speed round of... Who's that Pokemon? So the problem with these three is they are all in the undies. They're all in colorful undies with like shin guards and shoes. And that's all we had to go on. Well, Shane Douglas has tassels. I will let you know right now that the tassels did not come into. Oh, it was like black or yellow tassels. Okay. All right. So we're going to go for all three of them. So Shane Douglas came out in like a a mustardy yellow and black. Uh, Perry Saturn came out in bright, like neon green with like a splash of pink. I saw it as orange. I saw it as pink. Oh, Uh -oh. (laughs) And then um, Dean Malenko came out in like almost galaxy, like blue and, and black. Blue, black. I think there might have been bit a bit of purple. I was saying there might have been a touch of red. It's like the border, but. I didn't see the red, but. All right. So, and just for mine up front, uh, Shane Douglas's black in the light looked a bit brown. Oh my God. You're going to do this on a technicality. All right, Emily. Who's your Pokemon? So, I'm going to go backwards because I like Shane Douglas's best. Uh, I had Dean Malenko is Corvusquire. Okay. Perry Saturn is Caterpie. Caterpie actually mm, has the or- has the orange like eyebrow kind of thing. I disagree. And Shane Douglas's Pokemon is uh, also how I felt watching him in this match is Drowsy. No, I, maybe, but mm, I don't know if I agree with yours. I'll go in the same order though. I had Dean Malenko as Haunter. Which just felt like an obvious... It's a lot more purple. It was like a purpley blue. All right. We'll go back and look at it. So I had him as Haunter. Saturn, I had Skiploom because of the like the red sort of floral thing. And the thing in the center of his undies kind of looked like a little flower. So I went with that. And then uh, Shane Douglas had Elekid. Okay. I thought the yellow matched pretty well for him. <laughs> I wish he had blue in his uh, look anywhere because I really wanted to give him Guzzlord because the man does not appear to be in good shape. I'm sorry, Guzzlord? Yes, it's one of the Ultra Beasts from uh, Sun and Moon. That sounds like a 12-year-old Xbox Live handle. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> I say moving into the match. I gotta look him up. Who the fuck is Guzzlord? 
they'd say moving into the match, but Perry Saturn has a mic and kind of kills this match for me a little bit. Because he basically is like, yeah, we don't really care about this feud. We're just here to beat people up. And, and like, then he calls them girls. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's – I, and, yeah, I don't know if it's because it's the third tag team match in a row, but I just don't care. This one was definitely the messiest, too, and the hardest to follow. Also, Guzzlord has two Zs in it, too. Like, they're going for, like, guzzling. Like, come on. <laughs> oh, God, Pokemon Y. You know what you're doing. Remind me after this to show you what that uh, Pokemon's cry looks like in the anime. Oh, stop it. No, it's going to look like Kongrabs, isn't it? No, 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 I'm saying. I'm saying, like, like, like it's, like, noise it makes. Oh, I thought you meant, like, tears. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, the noise it makes, because it's fucking hilarious. Oh, no. God, Lord. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, it does not match what you think that Pokemon would, would, would look like. No, it's like an angry crab with a very large mouth. Anyway. So the Rednecks work over Douglas for lots of this to a dead crowd. Had a hot tag to Saturn, all six men brawl in the ring. Malenko locks in a cloverleaf on Hedding, but then Kenda Wyndham comes in, hits Dean with a cowbell. Saturn gets the pin after a Death Valley driver on Bobby Duncan Jr., which he really does not get him up for at first, and then manages to do it. Anything I missed during that match? You didn't say the Radicals win, but they do. Well, no, the Radicals don't win. The Revolution win. Oh, sorry. I call them the not Radicals in my notes. What really confused me in this, though... Is when they when commentary started saying, oh, Kendall Wyndham is out in the ring. Because earlier in that match, I looked at Nick and I was like, the West Texas Rednecks are just my my NWO now. And he's like, okay, name the one Redneck that is not out here. And I had to wait a second because I'm like, I, Kendall, I guess? He's like, yeah. And then Kendall's there. And I'm like, fuck, were you lying? Were you, do you not know? Because <laughs> it was Bobby Duncan Jr. You're like, wait, is that not Kendall? And I'm like, no, it's Bobby Duncan <laughs> Also, you saw Barry Windham again, and you're like, who is that? I don't know who any of them are. They all look the same. I have a stronger argument for them all looking the same in the West Texas Rednecks than I do in the NWO. All of well, these yes. men are of the same stature, same height, and the exact same hair. Like, come on, yeah, man. They're also all white, as opposed to the NWOB team. It was five guys and two of them were black and you're like, they all look the same. They did all look the same. I mean, I, I, I knew Vincent, but like... That and Stevie Ray. Oh yeah, I forgot Stevie Ray was in the NWO. That was the whole thing. It really was. Now quick, Emily, who are <laughs> no. the who are the other three in the B team? Uh, hold on, I can do this. Was Shane Douglas? No, Shane Douglas came back and immediately joined the re- revolution. Hold on. B team, B team. Horace Hogan. Yes. Any name, Emily. Think I'm leaving any, in all this dead air. Think of any name, Emily. Think of one of the most generic names you can. Brian Adams. <laughs> there you go. You literally said, I'll never forget Brian Adams. And by the way, ironically, uh, the one person you're missing is literally the person you forget the name of every <laughs> single time you see him. When you ask me these names, I just can't think of any name, a single name. By the way, he appeared on the most recent Nitro. Who is it? Scott Norton. God damn it. There's too many Scots for for first of all. There's too many Scots. There's three. That's too many. Yeah, literally only one of them's on television right now. There's too many Scots. So, I don't know. If th- hopefully, this feud is either over or actually becomes a feud. I hope it's over. I'm ready for like a new era. 
just flop everything, like just start over. Well, Commodore yeah. does note that, like, hey, there's going to be a new president at some point. So, is it going to be a president that's part of the roster? No, I, th- I assume they were giving it back to the network, and it was just going to be like vague man on a you know. Oh, I'm kind of assuming cloud. it's going to be Eric Bischoff. That would make sense, and it probably is in shoot Eric Bischoff. Well, Kevin Nash is still um, like he's still booking. But that doesn't make him president. Well, I know he he apparently decided to finish this next match. Oh God, really? Well, there's a lot to talk about with this one because the next match is Buff Bagwell versus the Cat with Sonny Ono. Uh, yeah, we get no promo package on this, and these two got into a shoot fight backstage. Was it right before the pay per view, or was it like that yes. morning? Oh shit! Because they were arguing over the finish for this match because. It was going back and forth who was going to win and then how, and Ernest Miller's still a little pissed about the blackface. As he should be. Yeah. But, uh, okay, let's just address this right now because I'm confused. Yes, yes, he should. Um, he absolutely should be mad about the blackface. 100% Buff Bagwell is in the wrong, and Kat has every right to be angry about that. However, comma, the cat comes out wearing Confederate flag wrestling gloves. And he's, like, showing them off to the crowd, being like, look, guys, look at my cool gloves. What? I'm confused. So am I. For those who are not from the United States, South Dakota, regardless of the name of the state, is not south of the Mason-Dixon line. It wasn't a state during the Civil War, so it didn't have, like, an affiliation with the Confederacy or the Union. However, it is a northern state. Why? And also, he's black. Why is he wearing a Confederate flag? I don't understand. I don't know. <sighs> I wish I had answers for you. I'm just I really so don't. confused and I want to like, I want to understand the cat and I want to be on his side because he was wronged and he absolutely deserves to be angry about what was done to him. But you're not helping. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Ugh. Okay, continue. So yeah, apparently Kevin Nash decided the, who actually, the, the finish of this match apparently. <sighs> Let's just go through it. I can't. <laughs> Well, the cat tries to cut a promo, and they rev over him. So then Buff comes out, no top hat on him. Breaking his mother's heart. So he goes to cut a promo, and the cat grabs out of his hands and tries to do his promo, and the crowd just continues to rev over him. So then Buff is like, okay, I'm going to do my promo now. And the cat does it a third time. I'm like, okay, shit. (laughs) And I start calling him a pussycat. Honestly. That was funny. The cat fucking worked this crowd perfectly. Yeah, you said that. To me, It was he was getting, like, actually upset and angry. No. You were like, oh, he's doing a great job. No, because he, he was still on the outside doing the, like, come on, fight me, fat boy. Like, Oh, like classic cat. Yeah. No, the cat managed to get more heat saying basically nothing than he would have if he actually had cut his promo. Yeah. So Buff does finally, like, do his promo, and it's like, you're not a crowd favorite if you know what I mean. What the fuck? What, what, else? I, what do you mean? Because now I don't know what you mean. <laughs> if that was supposed to be some sort of like in joke, I don't get it. <laughs> and then he's like, and we can all agree that you're not buff and you're not the stuff. God am. So buff starts with his stupid dance <laughs> and the cat hits a couple moves and does a real dumb dance after each of them. But it's drawn heat. So yeah, we did not see the dancing shoes in this match. I'm just yeah. realizing that. Well, I think they were in the briefcase, which does play into the finish, but yeah. we, the we do get multiple pussycat chants and a sign. 
Yeah, okay. So I had to like ask Nick in like wrestling show culture, do people show up to the arena with blank poster boards and sharpies and whatever's going on in the show, do they just like make a sign that goes along with it? Because of this sign. It was just a white poster board with like shoddily written pussycat. Like it not even in the middle of the board. It was just like really quickly scribbled on in large text. I, I was like, I was kind of wondering. That. I'm like, did we miss something on Thunder where they started doing this chat you or know, something? He but I just like, made that. Like, I don't know. Maybe should we be watching Thunder more? I no. We get real basic stuff from these two. Like this match literally could have been from 1989, and it wouldn't have been out of place. Oh my god, it was so boring. We've seen this match before. Yeah, it's like exact match. I think the most variety we get is like Cat hits like a big thrust kick, but like Buff hits scoop slams. Hits a fucking reverse atomic drop. I'm just like, know. really, I'm, dude? I feel like I'm saying I don't know a lot, but I don't. This is just boring. Why Why am I sitting through this? The cat gets thrown into Sonny Ono's briefcase and then gets rolled up by Buff and Buff gets the pin. And it was a real sloppy pin, too. Mm, like, like, cat did not want to take that. Yeah. Well, the cat then beats down Buff after the match. And okay. in the highlight of this match, Sonny Ono does the Buff taunt. And I fucking laughed. That was great. That that was a shining moment. Maybe that'll be my best bit. <laughs> They're few and far between, man. <laughs> Thoughts on the match itself? No. Yeah. It, this was... <laughs> This was not a good match. Um, I thought I, I thought the cat did well enough with his character work, yeah. But in terms of in ring quality, it's just unfortunate that this is the match that had the most story build. Or I guess not the most, but the best. Yeah, I'm really hoping this feud is done. What feud has lasted longer, this one or Savage and Rodman? That started out of nowhere. So, but like, how many weeks ago? After the last pay per view. How long have the cat and Buff been feuding, though? Right around the same time. Okay, so maybe the like equal it's, build. I'm like literally. I think this is better build. I think the next match actually has kind of more build, but it's been unfocused. Okay, that's fair. Which I guess we should move into because we have yeah. no further thoughts on the cat versus Buff Bagwell. <sighs> Our next match is Chris Benoit versus DDP for the U.S. title. Finally, it's not. Oh, wow. I, we didn't even, like, notice that we were out of the tag team matches. Yeah. We didn't even take note of that. But, yeah. Yeah, it's all singles matches the rest of the night. Which, really, they should have... Couldn't shuffle them in. Yeah, like, I mean, hypothetically, you could, like, open with this, open with the Goldberg match, and then kind of, you know, you just go every other one. Right. Yeah, that would have been great. Instead, we get, you know, three of those and I think like six singles matches just all back, back, to, back, back to back to back. No promos, no interviews, no. nothing to break it up. Yeah, we get one giveaway and that's it. Oh, that's after this one. Yay. This is a no disqualification match. Yes. DDP comes out and apologizes to Benoit for talking about his mother. And it's like, I know you love her very much. And so can anybody else for two ninety nine a minute. Oh! <laughs> Benoit has a weird new theme, I think. I don't know. <laughs> All the revolution have bad themes. They yes. actually talk about during the revolution's entrance earlier. It's like, I, I don't know what theme this is. Uh, yeah. It's going to let it play. The match literally starts with a dick kick to DDP. <laughs> a dick kick. Also known as a low blow. Yeah, I don't know. But in my brain, a low blow like is like the arching arm move. It can be like the top of your foot, too. Yeah. DDP goes for a powerbomb early on, but Benoit counters it, then hits a baseball slide to the outside. We get a belly-to-belly suplex from DDP, followed by a weird 
fireman's carry like forward slam kind yeah. of thing. I liked it. It looked impactful. I just like hadn't seen it that. It did look before. impactful. It looked rough. Like Wade Barrett, take note. That's how you do that move. Wade Barrett. What a sexy boy. He's not Shawn Michaels. He's the new Shawn Michaels. No, that's been about um seventeen other people. Oh god, I'm trying to think of how many live. I know, um, but like none of them were. I know Jeff Hardy got that a lot. Ew, really? Um, no. Jericho got that a little bit. Mm, I can see that. He is a pretty sexy uh, boy. Dolph Ziggler got that a I bunch. I can see that. Try to think. I don't think else. Dolph Ziggler's sexy, but I think that he thinks he's sexy. He thinks he's cute. He he knows he's sexy. <laughs> After that, Fireman's Carry Forward Slam is a uh, gut wrench, gut buster. They do some back and forth pinning maneuvers, but they all end up with DDP gaining the advantage. Sidewalk slam to Benoit, and DDP goes for another, but Benoit counters it into a jawbreaker and then gets tied up in a trio well in the corner. In a very sexy move, DDP takes off Charles Robinson's belt. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. And then he whips Chris Benoit in a less sexy move. But he also whips little Nate. He whips <laughs> him with his own belt. Or he like, like thumbs him in the eye, like, give me your fucking belt. <laughs> DDP then just chokes the shit out of Benoit over and over again with the belt. Yeah, he like tightens it around his neck. Yeah. Goes for the pin and it's only a two. He then hits like multiple snapmares with the belt. And he goes for this weird like puts Benoit like over his shoulder and like chokes him like that. Benoit flips out of it and then whips DDP, chops him, and then hits three very nice bridging German suplexes. You know I love a bridging German suplex. Like the crowd, the crowd actually does come back to life for that. Like they've been sitting in their hands move. for about like three matches. Like, oh, here we go. Ugh, it's a good ass move. Benoit signals for the diving headbutt, but Ken interferes when Benoit goes up top. Benoit then throws DDP into Canyon, but DDP kicks out of the roll up counter to the last match we just saw. <laughs> Bam Bam Bigelow then comes down and hits a really shitty splash. Like kind of seems to land on his feet right before getting to Chris Benoit. Which is where they show the revolution watching backstage, yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, they're, they're actively saying, like, oh, yeah, he wants to do it himself. They're not going to help. And I'm like, his title's on and, the line. And they weren't even, like, they weren't even, like, oh, I got to go help him, but I can't. They were just watching. I mean, they could go help him. They, they could. absolutely could. They could have, but they didn't. And there was never even, like, the inkling that, like, you know, if, if Perry Satter was like, I got to go help my boy, and the other two were, like, holding him back, like, no, no, we can't. He needs to do this on his own. That would have been a better story. This was just four guys watching TV. Yeah, it it just made him look like bad friends. Yeah, kind of. So they they then do the same like Irish whip into somebody's spot with Bam Bam Bigelow getting thrown into Canyon. Then we get a double exhausted falling headbutt spot. The first one is Bam Bam Bigelow into DDP's crotch, and then Benoit falls into Bam Bam Bigelow's crotch. <laughs> it's like a domino effect. Except. I didn't even see how DDP fell. It just like, okay, I guess yeah, you're down just now. Yeah, on the ground. We then get a diving headbutt from Chris Benoit to DDP, and with no help from the revolution, Chris Benoit wins and retains the title. Ooh. I thought this was a pretty good match. Got a little messy down the end. I mean, I think it was obviously designed to, but... Yeah, this was definitely the best match we've seen thus far. The interference got a little convoluted with the headbutt spot there, but... Yeah, it didn't bother me though like you expected these two to interfere. oh yeah, yeah yeah i'm just saying the interference could have been cleaner as opposed to people are just falling and yeah. doing the same irish whip your guy into the other guy yeah. and it's like we we've seen that like four times a night at this point with these three it's like current day wwe if you're watching a roman reigns match and not expecting the usos to come in <laughs> like they're gonna come it's just a matter of when 
Uh, credit to DDP for actually letting Chris Benoit get a fucking clean win. True. Because that's uh, it's not been going around lately. It's been yeah, it's been uh, sparse. Yeah, and Chris Benoit needed this win. It's like okay, cool. You feel like you like kind of raised a tier, nice pay per view win for him. True. This is about the point where I was longing for a backstage interview or an in ring interview or some kind of like promo to break something up. Because I was just like, this This got me. Like, I was bored. At this point, I needed a break. I think this might be where we took our break. Yes. And we just, I just needed to stop. I needed to take a breather. And that's what we've talked about before. It's something that WWE does well in their pay-per-views, in their episodes, in their shows. They know how to pace a show. WCW never figured that out. And it's exhausting for the viewer. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that does really go to the order of matches. Absolutely, it does. But when you're putting on a three-hour, like, when you're putting on a three-hour product every week, you need to recognize that your audience is not going to want to sit through three hours of the exact same thing back to back to back to back to back. It needs to vary it up the same way, like, why did we just watch three tag team matches and now we're going to watch six singles matches? Yes. Oh, and also, it was three tag team matches with the faces winning all of them. Yes. It was the same thing. Also, there were no Nitro Girls in this pay-per-view. Yeah, that's fine. That's something that would have broken it up, though. Yeah. They're, I mean, they are Nitro Girls, not pay-per-view girls. I know, but it's Oh, something. God. Pay-per-view girls are very different yeah. things. Don't they come to the pay-per-views, though? Sometimes? Sometimes. Although, they did also have their uh, Nitro Girls pay-per-view. We are not reviewing that. You sure? Yes. Right, episode 100. Absolutely not. So, post-match commentary hypes up the main event coming later in the night and then throws to, like, Chad Damani? I don't know. Um... He's with something. WCW.com. Oh. Yeah, he's here to give away a motorcycle. Um, he introduces the the president or whatever company. I forgot what company Doesn't it Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and the winner is Darnell Potter. So you wrote down the winner's name, but you didn't write down what company he, of the bike that he won was? Yeah, I mean, D- Darnell Potter, a bit overrated. has like a 5.7 on cage match. I think he tagged with Chuck Palumbo for a little bit. Uh Anyway, congratulations, Darnell. I hope you sold that bike. I worked so long to think of who, who who's a fucking no name I could work in. Like, I would tag with this person. I'm like, who, what have you dealt with your opportunities, Chuck Palumbo? <laughs> Nothing. I hope he got a good chunk of change for that bike. I did laugh. How it's like, it's a custom bike. It's like you it, put a decal yeah, on it. Yeah, you slapped a sticker on it. That's like me saying that my water bottle is custom because I have a sticker on it. I mean, it is. I don't know where I came from, but I have the women's WWE belt sticker on there. I don't know where I got that sticker from. I think it was from, like, when I got you the uh, t-shirts. Oh, maybe. All right. I don't even know how many matches down, but we have four more to go. (laughs) Next up is Sid Vicious versus Sting with the world's shortest hype video. Because, again, as mentioned during the last episode, this really has no story. This really was a blink and you'll miss it setup. Yeah, although we get a lot of fireworks for Sid. Well, he's undefeated, Nick. He deserves it. Remember how I said during the last episode, I'm like, note this. And you're like, I think he's undefeated. I'm like, yeah, eventually. I didn't know it would be literally the next episode. <laughs> Jesus. So let's get this out of the way. Sid has lost multiple matches on television by DQ or even his team lost. But Sid himself has not been pinned or submitted on television. Okay, so he has not been defeated in that sense. However, on live events, he's lost like fucking crazy to sing. We don't talk about the live events. Well, mm, we're going to have to. Why? 
Because um, somehow on Nitro, I think they're going to claim the number is that Sid is 55 and 0. Oh, so they're doing the Goldberg thing with him. Oh, yes. Oh, Jesus. 55. He hasn't even been back that long. Meaning, obviously, house shows would have to count. You're right. This is before Twitter, though. People can't be like, oh, I saw Sid lost. I don't know what pay-per-view they're going to do Sid and Goldberg at, but somehow in the next month, one to three months, I'm pretty sure they will claim that Sid is 173 and 0. Oh my god, so it's gonna be who has the longest undefeated streak. Yeah, except for the fact that Goldberg's already lost his. Yeah, but he Although, had a long streak. Honestly, Goldberg's been winning matches like crazy too. Like, I think That's true. he's literally only lost that one match. I don't even know if he's. Like, yeah, I, don't, I can't remember the last time he's gotten pinned since that one match. Hmm. Like, I think he's lost a multi man match or two. Um, the same way that Sid has. He hasn't, he hasn't been pinned except for that one. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. When they're coming out, commentary notes that this match has happened before, and they don't really have anything to, like, denote why this one's special, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, it has. Anyway. After Sting comes out, Sid threatens to go to the back unless the crowd stops revving. He should have just gone to the back. <laughs> match starts, Sting kicks Sid in the corner, and it somehow results in Sid laying across the top rope. It looked like a glitch in a video game. Like, it looked like the player was supposed to hit, you know, harder at a better angle or something to get him up there, but it was like, kick, hop. It was too much of a delay and, like, too much velocity behind Sid to get him up on that top rope. It was weird. We get multiple stinger splashes, and then they brawl on the outside. No count from the ref for a count out there. Back inside, Sid dodges a stinger splash and then slows things down with some power moves, and then a rest hold. Yeah. Clothesline, then back outside, back inside, more rest holds. I'm bored. We get an exhausted headbutt to the groin spot from Sting, which is like number like five or six on the night, it feels like. Uh, but somehow Sid gets up first and goes up to the top rope, gets caught by Sting. Sting scoop slams Sid, that's a mouthful, and then goes for a splash, but Sid gets his knees up. Sting then gets fired up, but eats a big boot. <laughs> which... Note, note the big boot, because that is just a general move, because somebody does it later, and they're like, ah, oh, like Hulk Hogan, and it's like, it's just, it's just a big... You're just putting your foot up, man. It doesn't require skill, I can do a big boot. Sid then goes up top again for some reason, but Sting catches him and hits a superplex, hits two Stinger splashes, gets caught with a third, Sid chokeslams Sting, gets the pin. It's like, oh, I, out of absolutely no more, didn't even the feel like end. it built towards it. Yep. This needed to be half the time. Uh-huh. There was a point in this match where they Sid throws Sting to the outside and throws Sting over the guardrail into a bunch of kids, one of which is wearing a Sting mask, which I'm like, that's just like peak heel. That's just evil. You're having this kid watch his hero die in front of him. A lot of people are done. When they go to the outside, Sting throws Sid like like into the barricade and Sid just like melts over <laughs> it. And it's like, how? <laughs> yeah. This this match felt very choreographed in that sense. Like, okay, I have to do this here and this here and this here. And none of the moves really melded into each other well. Well, if they consider they're going for the Goldberg thing, it's like, why are you, expo- like, why are you exposing him like this? Yeah. Have him go five minutes. Have him kill dudes. Yeah, exactly. Like, we knew what we were getting with the Goldberg matches. He comes out, does his little smoky mouth, spear, the end. So, we know where we're headed. I just don't know how long it'll take to get there. Probably not long. Yeah. Honestly, probably not long. You're telling me this company's not going to be patient? No. Well, let's go to the man they're building towards. It's Goldberg versus Rick Steiner. 
we noted that Ray did not come out with the Cruiserweight Championship. Rick Steiner is still a television championship, still a television champion. Uh, this match is not for that, and nor does Rick come out with the belt. These are two belts that they don't care about anymore. And in a weird entrance moment, because we I know we've talked about this with Goldberg lately, and I'm almost wondering, have I been wrong about other weeks? Goldberg comes out to his 2003 WWE theme. Yeah. It's real strange. I don't know. And Unfortunately, as somebody who did not grow up on Goldberg, I'm fooled enough by the WWE right. theme that I'm just like, oh, yes, yeah, so this is just Goldberg music. Yeah, this I'm is just it. assuming it's the same copyrighted song that keeps getting dubbed over. Well, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. That's the weird part. Yeah, I don't know. So this match is hard hitting to start to the shock of no one. Yeah, exactly. Goldberg hits a thrust kick, and then Rick Steiner bails the outside. Rick pushes the ref into Goldberg, who, like, Goldberg kind of, like, neatly catches him and is like, okay, go over here. And then Rick Steiner low blows him. Rick then pulls the knee brace off of Goldberg and, like, wraps it around his arm. And welcome to Rick Steiner's Mm -hmm. offense for the next five minutes. Tell me how this isn't a weapon shot. This is DQ. This is quintessential weapon shot DQ. Yeah, Tony Schiavone's logic is that... This isn't a DQ because it's not a foreign object. That's what he Yeah, because he wore it to the ring. It's already been okayed. So in that logic, we can use belts all the time. We can use shoes all the time. We can use brass knuckles if somebody wears them out. Like, well, well the, the, the ref would stop brass knuckles because I had the same thought. But what if it's just like a ring... You know, they're like, oh, this is my ring. I wear it all the time. Bam. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I'm with you. This should be a DQ. Although, I guess, I mean, Hulk Hogan wears that fucking weightlifting belt, and or he's just used to, and he used to use that weapon every fucking match. Yeah, but he's also Hulk Hogan. So no, I'm with you. It's was... like using the metal brace as a yeah. weapon. This is a DQ. Yeah. I just, I don't understand the logic behind it. That's what pissed me off. I don't know if it made me happier or more annoyed that Tony Schiavone was like, oh, yeah, it's not a DQ for this reason. And I'm like. Yeah. Trying yeah. to justify it, yeah. Yeah, because Rick just puts it on his arm, hits Goldberg over the head a bunch, hits an elbow drop with it, hits a clothesline, even even chokes him with it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that's the one where I'm like, even in your logic, it's like when people wear ties to the ring, you can't choke them with a tie. Right. So Steiner flips off the crowd, continues to work Goldberg over with the brace. He finally drops the brace and hit a belly to belly. Goldberg kicks out, so then Rick Steiner grabs the brace again. Get a sloppy DDT to Goldberg. And Goldberg just kind of gets up, hits a press power slam. Then hits a spear. That's Jackhammer and gets the pin. Yep. The uh, exposed knee played nothing into this match. Nope. Just gave Rick Steiner an excuse for some offense. And made us mad. That's it. Yes. There was just way too much brace action. Like, if if it had been like a spot or two, whatever. Fine. It was the the entire offensive maneuver. And the fact that it didn't play into anything with Goldberg just made it seem even more dumb, especially because in, in the early to middle parts of this match, commentary talks about how like Goldberg's working hard to become more a more well-rounded wrestler. He's working on a bunch, bunch of submissions. And I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be clever as hell to have him go for the jackhammer and he can't lift him, so he has to win with a different move like a submission hold? almost like that's how wrestling should work you should book wrestling nick <sighs> but for all i know rick steiner's like no i don't want to tap out maybe yeah you kind of forget about the diva stipulation so yeah goldberg wins uh, this feud definitely feels over i hope so 
I'm done with all of these feuds. Like I said before, yeah. I want it to all be like clean slate, done, start over, do something new. Goldberg continues to tread water. We'll see what they have for him next. Well, speaking of storylines that are uh, ready to be done, mm-hmm. next up is our second to last match of the night. It is the Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Worm Dennis Rodman. When did he get that nickname? It's an NBA nickname. Oh, I don't okay. really get it. We do get a hype video for this, and um, we both wanted to lose our minds a little bit at the very end of the hype package <laughs> because they cl- include a clip from Thunder where it's like, yeah, George's bodyguard is the driver of the White Hummer. Yeah. Do you know who that may have ended up being? However, uh, she wasn't willing to, wasn't willing to do business because she was on again, off again with Dennis Rodman, and I think they're off again. So because I think she was supposed to be involved in the finish of this, and then just wasn't. Who? Carmen Electra. You said something about Carmen Electra being part of WWE or WCW. I feel like I've I've heard this from you before. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I fully understood why until now kind of like sable was also rumored to be the driver at one point okay but like if this is his body if this is her bodyguard oh yeah I why don't, would it be common no. electra first of all why would it I be don't. sable they can't maybe sable more than anything well i can protect her but well, like sable at least was a suspect before they did the bodyguard story right carmen electra i don't think was carmen electra ain't no bodyguard she's great unless they mentioned her in that one random article or like an interview with Eric Bischoff. Who does he think did it? Oh, God. At this point, Eric Bischoff did it. Yeah, I mean, that that's my final theory. Eric Bischoff did it. You know what? I'm going to go dumber than that. Kevin Nash did it. Kevin Nash drove the Hummer into himself. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's, it's Ooh, not... Oh, Scott Hall did it? I would say it's not the it's first... It's not the first time they've had a mystery with Kevin Nash be it's Kevin Nash. Remember the whole CM Punk storyline of who texted oh Trip, who God. texted Kevin Nash to, to stick the winner? Uh, Did it we was talk Kevin. About that on the podcast a while back, Nick and I were doing a um, like a watch through of CM Punk's run in WWE, and we had just finished an NWO storyline in WCW. We were watching for the podcast, and we're like, okay, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna pop back over to CM Punk. And I knew, and I didn't have the heart to tell you. <laughs> the first episode we popped back into. Who walks down but good old Big Sassy? <laughs> I, with, I with had the, like an out-of-body experience. With the NWO theme, too. Was I like, was so confused because this was also like late at night. I wasn't really... When we watch SmackDown or Raw, we don't like watch it to pay attention the same way that we watch WCW. So I was kind of like in and out. Maybe I was on my phone. And I just heard the NWO music play and I was like, oh yeah, okay, well, it's it's the NWO, whatever. And I had to be like... I had to catch myself and be like... Wait a fucking second. We're not watching WCW. Why am I hearing this? And you looked at me and I was like, ha I wanted to kill you. That's not uncommon. No, it is not. Love you so much. So last note from this video package. Um, they had the clip of Dennis Rodman coming out and, and they once again do not have the line of, are you mad because I had sex with your girl? And... They very much try to downplay that mm-hmm. because even Mike today on commentaries at one point, like, ah, after he like abducted Gorgeous George and did something. Yeah, I think you were I think you were onto something. I don't think Turner liked that storyline. Well, in the package, Swole appears alongside four by four to try to like talk him down and be his backup. Okay. Who were part of the No Limit Soldiers. Oh yeah, I remember the No Limit Soldiers. So in one of the upcoming days, Swole is going to be arrested. Yeah, that's fun. What do you think he'll be arrested for, Emily? Um, assault. No. 
Much more innocent than that. Um, driving a white Hummer. <laughs> Despite being paid $400,000 per year, he did not pay his child support. Oh. Well. Yeah. Well. Well, we get <laughs> moving on to this match. At least it wasn't, you know, assault or yeah. abuse. Going into this match, kind of, because Dennis Rodman has his music hit, and it's it's not Voodoo Child. It's something else. No, but he waits for the entire song to play oh, before yeah, he Oh, yeah, jeez. They're like a bit of gaysmanship here, and I'm like, you just miss your cue. No, he was, just, he was just showboating backstage. He was talking to some PA or something. And this was the moment I realized that there's not a match on this card. Mona versus Medusa just stopped being part of this show. Which I'm kind of sad about, because I wanted that match to happen. I like women's wrestling, so I want I like seeing it whenever I can, which is rare. I wonder if they realize they only really have two female wrestlers on the roster, and they go, "Shit, if we do this match now, we have, with like no build, we have no future story." Oh no, you might have to hire a woman. So after Savage comes out, Dennis Rodman grabs a mic and he's like, "Hey, where's my bitch?" It's like, okay. But then Randy Savage comes back at him like, "Yeah, tonight you're my bitch." Honestly, he showed some good energy with it. I was like, oh, shit. Like, the crowd got behind him. Yeah. Because he's even like, and the rest of you can fight for sloppy seconds. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, shit. I was expecting a lot more ridiculous ring attire from Dennis Rodman. He's pretty much just wearing sweats and a tank top. Yeah. I liked his robe that he came down in, though. Yes, the uh, the shower curtain line from Bobby Heenan. It was was more like a motel comforter. Yes. It was red and floral and tacky. They start by brawling around the outside, but back inside, Savage bumps around like a boss for Rodman. Like, he's really trying to make this work. He is. I mean, like, give credit where credit's due. Like, he made Dennis Rodman not look bad. And if it wasn't clear that Dennis Rodman is is also a heel, he bullies one of the referees and then knocks him out. Except the new ref just, like, immediately comes down. I'm like, oh, is there, like, a ref bump? No, okay, next one. Just keep him coming they just they're just on like a circular door back there just like kick him out and we're going and go and now you they went through what five refs <laughs> something like that savage gets the advantage by gouging rodman's eye and then chokes him on the ground i'm like ah, i guess you're also a heel savage dumps rodman face slash throat first in the top rope it looked really rough yeah it looked shoot rough savage then attacks a ringside photographer who we're told is the new editor of the wcw magazine yeah, he just, like, attacks this guy for no reason, like, steals his camera. And then hits Rodman with the camera. It's like, all right. What a bully. This dude sells for, like, fucking 15 minutes, I know. too, it feels like. Savage gets a two and then hits the second ref, knocking him out. And the third ref comes in and Savage just hits him, too. Savage gets vaulted to the outside and then, like, almost lands on the editor and one of the refs. And I'm like, why are you guys still over there? Right. They brawl outside again. Savage, like, leaves to go look for a weapon, doesn't find anything, and then just goes back to brawling with Rodman. I'm like, also, it's... I know what his goal was. It's not a no-DQ match, but they're just brawling up the apron. It doesn't matter. I think it just kind of depends on the person whether or not that matters. The logic I went with in my brain is they're already attacking the refs so much that it's like, do you want to be the guy who tries to count them out? Right. Like, just let them have it. They're both on board with this. It's like when you're in the middle of a board game and you're like, all right, can we both agree to just change this one rule because it's dumb? It's like house rules in Uno. If you look up the rules to Uno, you're a douchebag. Make up your rules as you go. You can double reverse. You can double draw four. There are no rules. So they brawl up the ramp to backstage. Savage pulls a guy out of a porta potty and then throws Dennis Rodman in it and tips it about halfway over. There's a bunch of boxes to stop it going all the way. 
And you were very concerned with okay, this. So they tipped it over and it's a porta potty. So you expect some kind of grossness to come out. So originally there was like water dripping out the bottom. Gross. It's a porta potty, whatever. They open the door and there's like sludge coming out. It doesn't look like poop. It doesn't look like sewage of any kind or toilet paper or anything. It just looks like gray sludge. I don't know what that was. I'm not in, you know, porta potty maintenance in the 90s. I just, I'm very curious. And like, like you said, they didn't tip it all the way over. So things didn't get damaged. So you can't say that something like burst and everything just flooded well, out. I was, gonna, I was going to say, you definitely don't know how porta potties work. That nothing can, bur- it's a hole. It's a wet hole, Emily. There's, there's no pipes for that. I'm saying like the, the box that the wet hole oh, goes okay. into didn't burst. I, as far as I can tell, it just tipped over. It didn't get crashed. Yeah. Also, I avoid porta potties at any possible opportunity. So yeah, I don't know much about porta potty maintenance. Gross. I'm a woman. Rodman comes out of it pretty clean looking. It's like, okay, I thought you'd be a little little grosser. Like, no, you look fine. He slowly walks back towards the ring and Savage chases and catches him. They get back in the ring and Rodman climbs to the top rope and then drops to the second rope and then accidentally hits the ref on the dive down. So I think that's like f- the fifth or sixth ref now. That had to have been the fifth. Gorgeous George then runs out as... She looks great in her attire this week. I just have to point that out. Yes, Gorgeous George runs out. And she has pockets. She has pockets. So in her past week's attire, it's been like teeny tiny shorts and a booby shirt. This time they gave her pants. And like the pants and the, the crop top combo, even yes, it was booby. It's just a good look. It's a better look. And It's a mood. It's a vibe. It's a It's a mood. It's a vibe. It's a bop. But I don't remember, this is going way off the rails. Stop me, whatever. There was a fashion movie back in like the early to mid 2000s. Maybe Devil Wears Prada? I don't remember. But there was a rule in it. No, it was a TLC show. Um, what not to wear. And in that, they tell you if you're going to show skin on the bottom, you cannot show skin on the top. So like with shorts, you'd wear long sleeves or a jacket or something. And if you wear pants, if you wear long pants, you can't wear... Um, long on top because it just the balance doesn't work. This is why I think this outfit worked because it was long in the bottom, short and skin like on the top. Balance. I just realized you say that as somebody currently wearing long sweatpants and a tank top. It stuck with me. Let's get back to the match. So yeah, Rodman has Savage in a sleeper hold. Savage gets out with a jawbreaker. So Gorgeous George gets in the ring and hands Randy Savage a chain to wrap around his fist, which I think the crowd largely misses yeah it was not a very big chain either so i wouldn't be surprised if they missed it we get a low blow from gorgeous george dennis rodman followed by a chain shot and randy savage gets the pin and the crowd does not really react the crowd goes neutral which they were like into a good portion of this so it was weird that like yeah it was just Kind of flat there. This was better than I thought it would be. Yeah, it definitely was. And it helped that Randy was covering the match. And he helped make it good. Like, I won't give him credit for a lot, but I'll give him credit for, you know, helping carry Dennis Rodman to a good match. Yeah, and this is Rodman's first and only singles WCW match. Yeah, they noted that as he was coming out. Not the only part, but like his first. And I know we'll see him in maybe a sporadic promo appearance or two, but... Two taps. I guess this is a good time as any to say goodbye to Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, apparently this is his last match. Uh, yeah, outside Ever, of... Ever, right? Well, no, well, 
that we'll see because he'll do like a house show match I think in the upcoming week or so and then he'll randomly appear in a battle royal on Thunder in like May so this is morbid what year did Randy Savage die? after 2010 really? yeah wow what was he doing for all that time? just not being in wrestling Listen, there's a lot of conspiracy Retire. theories about why he never got accepted back in the WWE, but neither here nor there. He, I think his last match was actually in TNA. Oh, okay. Not counting. Like a house show. Not counting Spider-Man. <laughs> no, we're not counting Spider-Man. Bone Saw McGraw. It was a very weird relationship we had with Randy Savage. I have the same relationship with Randy Savage that I think I have with Hulk Hogan. I did not see him in his prime, so therefore I do not understand the hype. And I've only seen them when they, I, in my opinion, when they are on the downward spiral of their career. Yeah, I will say this. Randy Savage's downward spiral is a lot faster and weirder. It was more of a plummet, yeah. He was in the NWO and he was still kind of doing the Macho Man thing. But this weird new version of him that came back, it's yeah. just like... Oh. Boyfriend. Well, yeah, I, I mean that, but just like his like style and look, and it just it just doesn't feel like Randy Savage. Yeah, you know, fucking space cowboy Randy Savage, right. or he's calling himself. Yeah, like yeah. that kind of stuff makes me think that I need to go back, and I've considered doing this in my time off right now, um, going back and watching like WrestleMania one, two, three, like the the OG yeah. stuff. Like I know it won't be as good as I think it will be, but just to see yeah. where we started. I mean, even in, like, 98, he was doing good work. Like, I, it was 97, 98, where he has this whole feud with DDP, where he, like, really wants to put DDP over and, like, make him a star. And it's, like, yeah. it's just so quick how much, just like, oh, wow, this is a weird dude now, and I don't like it. Right. Uh, yeah, and then they put the title on him, have a lose it a day later, and it's like, oh, yeah, also you're beating your girlfriend. Right. Which doesn't help when you kind of have a sketchy personal life yeah yeah i think i've watched his dark side of the ring episode so randy savage uh, it's, i can't even say he'll be missed yeah i i'm, I'm sorry to say you won't be missed <sighs> it's a bummer you know maybe you inspired emily to go check out some of your older stuff yeah because I, I want to understand why he's so revered same with hogan i want to understand but from what i've seen i don't get it well speaking of hulk hogan Let's go to our main event. It's Michael Buffer time. For the first time in months. Yeah. I was going to say weeks, but no, it's been months. Main event of tonight. It's Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Nash for the WCW title in a dual retirement match. Loser must retire. Or as they uh, apparently described it on the hotline, loser takes time off. No. I hate this industry so much. I don't, I've not heard it. I've only seen it in text form, so I don't know if that was meant to be tongue-in-cheek from them or not, but. I hope so, because good God, real, mm, wow, I'm sorry, I'm mad. <laughs> At least they're aware. We get a hype video that might just be the one from the opening. Maybe. Um, Get ready for a short recap, folks. We get some big Hogan chance to start, and uh, it Did is. you notice it got breezy? They were go- both having the, uh, like, wind machine effect. I'm bringing no. back a segment. It's called Bump Count. Oh. Uh, I By the way, in this, I do not count um, falls from punches or kicks as part of this. Oh, okay. Only, like, maneuvers. Okay. So, Emily, 
What was the bump count for I'm, Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Nash? Nick, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I zoned out for a lot of this match. So I'm going to say the bump count was two. Ooh, so close. One. Three. Because the match kind of starts and... No, it doesn't. Don't even say that it starts. The bell rings. bell rings. Hogan can't get out of a headlock. For a long time. Well, the way he gets out of it is with is with a bump. He hits a back suplex on Kevin Nash. And then Kevin Nash bails the outside. We get a test of strength spot and Nash... Don't get me started on how stupid that spot is, too. It's as stupid as the fucking bear hug. I'm sorry. Nash works, so I'd say it's worse. Oh, I'm big, strong man. You're also a big, strong man of my same height and stature. I have weak wrists, apparently. What? Nash works over Hogan with strikes, but he misses his framed up elbow. Because he takes like four years to do it in this one. By the way, this is a 12-minute match. 12 minutes too damn long. We get a side slam from Nash in bump number two. He hits two like running leg attacks. I don't even know what to call them. Onto <laughs> Hogan on the second rope. And then we get a framed up elbow from Nash that actually hits. He then hits a big boot and commentary lose their mind. Like, oh my God, that's Hogan's move. It's like. It's just a move, friends. He put his leg up. Also, Kevin Nash has five moves. That's one of them. It's five moves. You count the fucking hair flip. <laughs> Nash then hits the jackknife. And Emily, can you confirm for the uh, crowd at home that I correctly predicted the finish of this match I think at although this point, it wouldn't have been hard to absolutely not i could have probably done it i think at this point we were both you may be less than me we were both just like scrolling on our phones waiting for it to be over and nick just kind of like glances up and he rattles off the exact ending of the match and i was like yeah probably and then 30 seconds later it happens no no, no i i call, no i i called that at the beginning of it i'm no, like no it wasn't the beginning honestly i kind of well it was I, during the. I felt it. I felt it in my bones after Monday because on on the last Nitro they did not have Hogan do the whole Hulk up. I think it was during the uh, test of strength because that's when I was like, yeah. "Y'all, you got to do something." So in bump number three, Kevin Nash hits a jackknife to Hulk Hogan. Hogan then kicks out, Hulk's up, big boot, leg drop, pin, and the end. Kevin Nash is now retired. No, he's not. He'll be on fucking Nitro on Monday. Emily, he lost a retirement match. You're you're right. He'll be at Nitro at um, you know, ten fifty eight on Monday. Let's um, let's shit on the match before we talk about the post match. What match? Yeah, this was terrible. What fucking match, Nick? This reeked of we've already got their money. Except we don't even have their fucking live crowd money. We no. just have the pay per view money. This is what I'm saying. Like phoning it in. Like everyone was just kind of like phoning it in. I already got paid. Fuck you guys. Go home. Yeah, I, I kind of. I think I understand a little bit more. Unless the build is terrible, why the next show has such a lackluster buy rate? Yeah. Because this was your main event. You paid Michael Buffer to come do this main event. It was rest hold after rest hold. I wanted to poke a stick at the TV and make it do something. Are you shocked? No, but I should be shocked. I should be shocked. Emily, would you rather watch this or the finger poke of doom again? I think I'd rather watch the finger poke because something happens. It's fucky and I hate it, but something happened. Ash takes a bigger bump than that than he does in this. Yes. Ugh, I'm just tired of big, strong men staring each other down. I'm tired of it. All right. So make your official prediction. How long will Kevin Nash be off television? So realistically, what I think is going to happen. 
I don't think that he will be live at Nitro on Monday. I think there will be an off-set pre-recorded thing of him going up to like Dusty Roads or something and being like, look, man, you got, I gotta get my job back. Like, you, you know, you need, you need big sexy. Like, I can't retire. Like, whatever. Asking for his job back, whatever. Maybe Eric Bischoff. But they'll say no. And then the following week, he'll like appear in as an interference to somebody's match. So I'm thinking he has a week away from the ring and then he'll come back and be in the ring. My prediction is he'll be off TV until after the next pay-per-view. He really? And then he won't wrestle for a little while. He'll have to be go because he's retired. He'll just show show up and cut promos. No, that's and, way too long. And then I, I think by Halloween Havoc he's gonna wrestle again. I that's way too long. Again, you think this No, you 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 can't you can't do that. Yes, they can. They've done worse. With the retirement stipulation? I don't know. I don't think I I have no faith. I don't know. I, I think I think he at least makes it to the next talk to the next pay per view. I don't think that he will be off television. I think he'll be away from the ring, but I think he will be on television. Oh God. I just had a terrible thought. Hmm. What if he gets named president? Wouldn't put it past him. Oh, fuck. I hope not. Well, this was a bad show with with bad pacing. <laughs> no, I'm angry and sick. I need another hit on my medicine. How did you another shot of apple juice? For those wondering at home, liquid mucinex is the only thing that works, and the best chaser for it is apple juice. Apparently. Do a shot of apple juice. It works like a charm. God. Any uh, final thoughts on the show as a whole? I wanted it to be both worse and better. I wanted to either come into this recording like, what the fuck was that? This was such ridiculous bullshit, yada, yada, yada. Or very impressed. I wanted one of the two. I got neither. Yeah, this feels like a lot of the last couple of nitros where it's just like, it's nothing. There's, there's no substance. No, there's absolutely no substance. There's no heart. There's no charm. There's no nothing. Like, it feels like everybody's just kind of going through the motions. Yes. It really does feel like that. Well, I guess let's go through our motions and uh, let's go to best bit and oh, MVP. Fuck, I didn't even think about this. I meant to think about it while we were talking. <laughs> Emily, what is your best bit? I guess I'll give it to the match of the night. DDP versus Benoit. Yeah, I'm assuming that that's, was what, that's what I had. Yeah. yeah. You sure you don't want to give it to Sonny Ono doing the taunt? For a variety, I can. He can be an no. honorable mention. Okay. And Emily, who is your MVP? I'll give it to Bobby Heenan. Bobby? Bobby just for, again, being a light a light source in this godforsaken show. There's a light over at the Frankenstein's place. Exactly. I am going to give mine to literally the last time I can. I'm giving mine to Randy Savage. Really? I guess he did put on a good match. Okay. He, yeah. I, I thought that would have been worse. And I think in, in the hands of a worse wrestler... That would have been a bit of a shit show, and I don't know. I, 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 I don't really feel strongly about anybody else, so let's go with him. Fair. Or, um, actually, I'm going to give it to Darnell Potter. And his fat hog. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, the worst but... part about that giveaway is it was not someone who was in the arena, so you couldn't even, like, see Darnell get his bike. It was just backstage, like, and the winner is, and they couldn't get the name out of the stupid rolly thing. And the winner is this guy. Congratulations. Oh, God. I'm Back ha- to you. I'm going like, to have to show you some de- mid-90s WWE giveaway where it was like, okay, like there's like, there's like 24 cases. Pick a key. 
and the two people pick, they don't get it. And like uh. two people from home pick, they didn't get, they don't get it either. It's like, ah, the correct one was six. No one wins. <laughs> just like, and then, but like, they don't, I don't think they come back to it. Just like that's it. It's just about as good as the grain inspector. Oh no! Somebody won that one. We won that one. The viewers at home won that one. Did they? I feel like I did. Oh, let's get out of this one. Our next episode is gonna be the nitro right after this we got that'll be episode 48 we have the nitro after that for 49 and then episode 50 a special whoop, whoop. bonus episode including a shot whoop, whoop. until our next episode which hopefully we'll try to put out a little bit quicker yeah you can follow us on twitter and instagram at butts in the pod and on facebook at the butts in the seats podcast you can also listen to all of our back catalog on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Good job. As well as maybe another spot or two. Let us know if there's anywhere that you prefer to listen where we currently aren't. Also, I've been peeking. There's been a couple more. Feel free to leave a rating or review. We'll peek at all of them, and we will do our best to take all suggestions seriously, except if it's get rid of Emily, which, you know, I've been trying. Did somebody say that? No. Oh. I was saying if they say that. Oh, I would have been, I would have been so sad. Yeah, I've just, had a rough week. I don't need that yeah, blow just, to my ego. Just listen to me react off myself. <laughs> yeah, that'd be so hard. Yeah. So until we review the August 16th Nitro, I'm Nick. I am Emily. And thanks for listening to the Bust and Seats Podcast. Bye.